0: Welcome to Pod Revisited, Episode Twenty Seven. I'm Tori, and I'm Shay. Today we are covering Chapter Nine of *Chamber of Secrets*: The Writing on the Wall, or as we like to call it, Who Done It? I just like to point out there might be some background noise in my recording because I adopted a cat. Tell
1: us about your cat's name, Tori.
0: So, as you may know, when Shay adopted her dog earlier this year, it, she named it Nimbus. And when I went to the main Society. There was a cat called Nimbus, and I was planning on changing it, and I just, just decided to keep it. It was just felt like a sign. So we both have a Nimbus. Yeah, my Nimbus is a little tear of a kitten right now. My Nimbus is a big floof of a husky lab mix.
1: <laughs> so this chapter starts off with me feeling really, really bad for Filch. Like, as a pet owner who absolutely adores her pet, the idea that someone would harm my pet in any way, and especially at the beginning of this chapter, he thinks Miss Norris is dead. I would be mad. And I feel like any petty, mean, or like weird thing Filch does in this chapter is entirely justified. And I would do that too or worse. Yeah. So like, I just feel bad for him. Like it doesn't matter how much of a dick he is sometimes. His pet has been attacked and that's horrendous and I can't imagine.
0: Yeah, as a new cat mom, this really hits me. I feel like anything about cats now, like... A lost cat or anything. It just affects me more now that I have a cat. Yeah. And I also think
1: Philch is already so sensitive about being a squib and it and then his pet, the thing he loves most in the world, is attacked using magic. It probably makes him feel so much more helpless. Mm-hmm. Like it's it it's not only emotionally stressful because it's someone he loves it's emotionally stressful because it plays directly against his sort of biggest insecurities and that's just awful
0: yeah it's it's hard so i just find it interesting that he jumps to blame a student harry and I'm just wondering if he kind of faced prejudice for being a squib before, because he points out later that Harry knows he's a squib and that's why he did it, even though Harry has no idea what that is.
1: I, I feel like the wizard society is very judgmental and especially classist and elitist. And I can totally see them mistreating a squib. Growing up in a world where everyone around you has magic and you don't, everyone's going to think there's something wrong with you. You know, and it's like, you're just different. It doesn't mean you can't do a lot of really awesome stuff. But because magic society is so reliant on magic for everything, I, I can only imagine how, how much prejudice he faced growing up as a kid. It's, and even now, as an adult surrounded by all these little magic brats, it's, it's brutal.
0: Yeah, still wondering why he works at a magic school. It seems like the worst place to work. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So Miss Filch
1: is potentially dead. Miss Filch. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, <laughs> this Norris is petrified but as of now we think dead and uh Lockhart suggests his office and so Dumbledore Lockhart McGonagall Snape and then the golden trio all go to Lockhart's office so I guess my initial question is sort of what is the particular reason why Snape and McGonagall are the ones that go along I feel like it's often Snape and McGonagall kind of like Uh, Miss Sprout and Flipwick are often sort of like neglected when it comes to like leadership or important roles, despite the fact that they're heads of house.
0: Well, we know that McGonagall is the like the deputy head mistress, so it usually makes sense for her to be involved. I just feel like Snape's just always where Dumbledore is because Dumbledore?
1: Yeah, I think like for me, it's McGonagall goes along because the three students are Gryffindors, and if they're in trouble or responsible for something, she needs to sort of be a part of the situation. And I think Snape goes along because it's obviously some sort of dark magic. And I feel like he's the go-to for that. He just knows. He's like, it's dark, weird, mysterious magic. This is my shit. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I do.
0: I also feel like they both go because they don't trust Lockhart.
1: Oh, absolutely. But I don't think they think Lockhart's going to actually do anything. He's just going to stand there and be an idiot.
0: Well, they just want to make sure. I feel like Snape especially just wants the opportunity to um, embarrass Lockhart. I don't think it takes much to embarrass Lockhart. Well, I just feel like Snape gets kind of joy in finding Lockhart in like a jumble. Yeah. Like Lockhart always says he, you know, has to how to do something, but once like the time comes for him to do it. He obviously can't. And Snape loves that.
1: For me, at least, the initial intentions aren't really even petty from Snape. It's They're all very, like, business. Like, Snape's like, "Yeah, I'm the cool dark magic guy. I need to come handle the cool potential dangerous dark magic thing. And McGonagall's like, I'm the Gryffindor lady. Gotta deal with these Gryffindor kids. And they're all, like, business. And Lockhart's like, I'm important too. Let me wiggle my way into being in some way involved, even though he's an idiot. I think that, I wonder, I guess, because McGonagall seems pretty upset. I mean, obviously she's stressed it was a threat to the students, someone's been attacked. But do you think she has, like, a particular emotional attachment to, I was gonna say Mrs.
0: Filch again, Mrs. Norris? Like, do you think they have, like, a cat friendship? I don't know. I feel like she doesn't quite like Mrs. Norris, just based on past interactions of her as a human. But I don't know, maybe it's different when she's a cat.
1: Yeah, I I just wonder, you know, like, or even if because she's been a cat before, she feels a little bit more emotionally attached, even if she doesn't personally like Ms. Norris. She's like, oh no, a cat. I know what it's like to be a cat. Uh, you know, how dare someone attack a cat? It's, it's a personal affront to her as a cat anime guy. But while McGonagall seems super concerned, by the time they start like actually looking at Miss Norris to see what's up, Snape seems to be trying not to smile. And I feel like there's a number of sort of reasons that I have theories behind his sort of smile. So for me, my first one is that he looked at the cat briefly, didn't need to poke it 12 times, and he already sort of knows she's not dead. So he thinks the rest is all dramatics. Like, he's like, why are we still staring at it? Why are we still poking at it? It's petrified. Like, he just knows. He can tell. He's figured it out. He thinks it's excessive that everyone else is still investigating when he's already, in his own mind, resolved the situation. Because I think that's very like him, to be a bit like, I've already figured it out. These people are all idiots. Even Double her. But then I also think he's laughing at how dumb Lockhart is, because Lockhart is sitting there listing things off, all of which rely on the cat being dead, which is the false premise. So he's like, this guy is an idiot. This cat is not dead. And he's already like, this is what killed the cat. This is what killed the cat. It was this. I could have saved this. And he's just like, trying not to be openly hostile about the fact that Lockhart's an idiot. My other theory is maybe he just hates cats. And Filch, you know, maybe it's just like, meh. Or maybe he's like a little snarky about it because he's a bit of an asshole and he knows Filch is really stressed out, but he knows the cat will be okay. So he's like, I can enjoy his suffering a little because his cat will actually be fine in the end. So like, he's a bit of a sadistic asshole, but...
0: I thought he was just happy because Harry's in trouble again.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not a lot of trouble for Harry because I think it's already pretty obvious Harry didn't do it. I think... There's like so much going on. I think that Harry isn't even like the primary concern for Snape, which he often is, but I think in this circumstance, Lockhart is the bigger annoyance. Like the actual concern about the fact that like that threat was written on the wall and knowing the deeper context of it sort of overpowers his like Harry stuff,
0: you know? Well, I just think Lockhart is so delusional because uh, while Dumbledore is investigating and Dumbledore is supposedly like the greatest wizard ever at this point in the series, he's like, oh, it's this, oh, it's this. And Like, despite the fact that we know that he knows nothing. And, like, what would have happened if they're like, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? Like, I just feel like his delusion is so big that, like, he says all these things. But when it comes down to it, like, what's he going to do? He's just going to put himself into a bigger hole.
1: Yeah, and he's so stupid in that he's, like, not even good about pretending to know things because he's just listing shit off, which means he's obviously going to make mistakes. If he just stat- stood there like Dumbledore style sort of quietly staring going, hmm, hmm, he'd be better off because no one could prove him wrong because he hadn't said anything. Like he could have just gone, I have a couple of theories on what this could be and then wait until other people reveal their theories and say, yes, my thoughts exactly or something like he's not even good at pretending to be smart.
0: Yeah, it's just like he just he craves the attention so it doesn't really matter if he, what he can do he doesn't think that far ahead in his delusion he is like this great wizard and he's just like he like lives off that like attention even though he doesn't really i don't think he really sees how much his co-workers and the students see through him yeah
1: i also think maybe he's jealous that they're all staring at this cat corpse or cat Body instead of him. He's like, it's not even moving. It doesn't have a dazzling
0: smile. Why aren't you looking at me? Well, yeah, it's also the fact that like they're all investigating it, very concerned, and he wants to be a part of that, but he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So he's just listing things off to hopefully land on one that might be it. But of course, he just looks like an idiot. Always, he always looks like an idiot. And I talked about this a bit before, but uh Filch um, thinks Harry obviously did this. And even though Dumbledore says, like, oh, a second year could have done this. This is dark magic. Filch is like, oh, he did it. He did it. He knows I'm a squib. And I'm just like, does Filch, like, is it because he doesn't understand magic? Or is it just because, like, I don't know. It's just like feels like something kind of, like, crazy for a 12-year-old to have done. I think
1: it's a little bit just his emotional state. Like, he's just angry and he needs someone to blame to deal with how upset he is. Also, like, the first person he saw sort of at the scene of the crime was Harry. So, it's not logic. It's just like he needs someone to blame in order to cope. Like, I think even even someone who can't do magic like Filch would understand the basics of like there are certain spells you have to be a pretty decent wizard to do or you have to practice for a while. Like, in the lo- like if it was any other situation than Miss Norris having been stunned, he probably would have been like, Yeah, it was someone. They're an asshole. He wouldn't be like pointing fingers specifically or not thinking with any logic. But because it's his cat, Mrs. Norris, he's like, Screw logic. I want blood. Who did this? Off with their heads. I mean, classic me, if someone had done something to my pet, I'd be like, that's it. I'm coming for blood.
0: Classic filch. Well, uh, Snape tries to get Harry expelled just because he's just like in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like Snape, Snape obviously knows Harry couldn't have done this. He was just there. But he's like, you know what? This is, this is pretty fishy. Harry shouldn't be allowed to play Quidditch. Well, he originally, he says... I doubt Potter had anything to do
1: with it, but it is suspicious because Harry did lie. Yeah. And Snape's like smells the bullshit. He's like, that's a lie.
0: I just feel it's like this book seems just out for Harry to be in trouble. And it's just just whatever. He, he knows Harry can't be expelled. That's not a part of the plan. <laughs> Harry's not going to actually face real consequences. So Snape's like, maybe
1: if I push a little, he'll get a little bit of consequences at some point. I mean, in this situation, Harry didn't do anything wrong, except for lie.
0: Well, speaking of Harry lying, like, why didn't he say he heard something? Like, they are in a magic school where lots of magic stuff's going on.
1: I mean, because he knows that's weird, like, even afterwards, they say it's a good thing you didn't tell anyone it's weird to hear voices, even in the magic world. Like, he probably can tell that that's a weird thing to say. And also, like, anything that might imply he's unstable isn't something he'd want Snape to know. So, like, maybe if it was just McGonagall and Dumbledore and not Lockhart and Snape there, he would have been like, I heard something. I was following the sounds. Ron and Hermione couldn't hear it, but they came with me. I'm not sure what it was. Just, like, he would give more information, but he's not willing to, like, it, try and explain something that makes him vulnerable in front of people he already feels vulnerable in front of.
0: Yeah, it just would have saved so much time where you are really like, oh, I heard something. And then Donald be like, oh, that makes sense based on all these things I know about you, but won't tell you. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like most people hear things all the time. Like, I always think I'm hearing something that's probably not I'm not hearing, but they can be like, oh, I thought I heard something. So I went upstairs to investigate and then we found this. Yeah. So it had to be something like weird. Yeah, you don't have to necessarily be insane. I'm sure, like, there's tons of commotions going on. It was Halloween. Yeah, and just be like, oh, I thought I heard something, and just that just happened to be there, and like, it's, oh, it's Halloween. That makes sense. I like that the, the punishment Snape
1: suggests is no more Quidditch for Harry. And McGonagall is so quick to be like, no, fuck you.
0: Yep. McGonagall wants that Quidditch cup. She's already cleared off his space. Yeah. I
1: wonder if Snape, knowing that no matter what he said, they weren't going to punish Harry, chose that specifically to like mess with McGonagall to get a rise out of McGonagall because he knew of all things that's the one that would get her to be like oh heck no
0: I was just wondering if Snape was concerned about how Malfoy was shaping up because it just seems like Snape would probably pick punishments that were more just like I guess like cleaning or like just things that like Harry wouldn't enjoy but I feel like he really targets Quidditch so I was wondering if like he knows that Malfoy's kind of like not great. And so he's like, oh, needs to get rid of the best player on the Gryffindor team.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think Snape probably didn't think that far ahead and isn't that concerned with Draco Malfoy at this point. Like, I think it's more just like, this will annoy McGonagall. Harry should be frightened for a minute. It'll annoy Harry. It probably won't happen anyway. But suggesting it will spark a little joy in my heart when I see the look of terror in their eyes. (laughs) Just the suggestion of no Quidditch, you know? He needs to find moments of joy when he can.
0: It's actually kind of funny thinking about that because no Quidditch is a punishment that actually happens to Harry later on in the series. Brutal. So Dumbledore's kind of given Harry an X-ring look when Harry's like, when he's kind of asking him like, do you have anything to tell me? And Harry's just like, no. Nothing, of course. Um, like is Dumbledore reading Harry's mind at this point? Because we know that whenever kind of like Harry feels like Dumbledore's reading his mind, that he probably is.
1: Yeah, I wonder. But then my thought is, because we know Harry can't protect his thoughts at all. So Dumbledore would immediately know, weird, Harry heard a weird voice. Like, you'd think it would benefit to let Harry know that it's okay, you're not losing your mind, we'll look into it. But no, he keeps it to himself because he's Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> And he wants Harry to go investigating. So he's like, I'm not helping. I know what's made you curious. I know what's going on with you. And I'm leaving you to solve it on your own.
0: I see do for most 12 year olds. It's fine.
1: I also think that when they start talking about um, the Mandrake potion and getting Miss Filch back from her petrification. Damn it. Miss Norris. <laughs> reviving <laughs> Mrs. Norris. <laughs> from petrified state. Lockhart's like, I could. And Snape's like, I am the potions master at this school. And it's like, first of all, it's shutting down Lockhart and restating his position. And second of all, he knows Lockhart would fuck it up. And like, I feel like mandrakes are kind of a rare substance. It takes a lot of work to grow them to the right state in order to be ready. Yeah, exactly. So like, he doesn't want to waste time or resources by having Lockhart screw it up. So he's like, heck no. But then the way he said... I am the potions master. Makes me think, like, the potions master job might be more than just teaching potions. Because we know, like, the job is teaching potions. But maybe as the potions master, there are other jobs you have at the school. So, like, if a potion needs to be brewed, that's in any way difficult and any teacher can't do it. Like, you're, like, the default potion maker. So, like...
0: Yeah, I'm assuming that's kind of what Stapes' job description is. If someone gets poisoned, you have to brew the antidote
1: because you're the potions master and all related sort of potion essentials fall to him to do. Which I did not really considered before, but I guess makes sense.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting because Snape obviously wants the DADA job, which Lockhart has, and he definitely doesn't want someone like Lockhart like coming into his turf, because it's like one thing that he, that Lockhart's an idiot and has the job he wants, but it's another thing when he's trying to come for his other job that he currently has, and he's like, no, stay stay away. Yeah. I was wondering, what would have happened if they had actually let Lockhart make the potion like what if the kids have like I don't know died. I do not
1: think that anyone in the school even Albus Dumbledore would have let Gilderoy Lockhart brew a risky potion and give it to anyone even even Mrs. Norris. There's no way. Even Mrs. Norris. Like even the cats that they don't particularly like there's no none of them are that stupid.
0: You know what I mean? So after this is all said and done Ron's just like you know what hearing voices Red flag. (laughs) Yeah. A little weird Harry.
1: Maybe look into it.
0: Well, I find it interesting because Harry, uh, becomes worried that Ron wouldn't believe him and it just kind of shows how Harry values Ron's support. And especially in this book, like Harry becomes an outcast, but he feels okay because he has Ron and Hermione. But in the fourth book where they have a falling out and he doesn't have Ron's support, he finds it very hard. And it just kind of shows that like Ron's support means a lot to Harry. And I'm sure vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. They need each other. And so we talked about this a bit last episode, but according to Ron, squibs have no magic powers. So we were talking about how quickspell is a scam, and now it, it very much seems like a scam if they have no powers. So how are they able to learn magic? Yeah, it's definitely a a
1: scam. They're out for money. They're in it for the Galleons and not the education. Yeah, I, I think that like it's interesting how... Harry's so concerned that that Snape's trying to, you know, frame him for things. Like right after they investigate Mrs. Norris, Harry's like, let's leave before Snape tries to frame me for something else. And it's like, Snape very specifically did not frame him. He very specifically said, it's pretty likely Harry Potter didn't do this, but he totally just lied, by the way. And like, that is both. Those are all true facts.
0: I think he's more saying that Snape doesn't really need a reason to get them in trouble. So they wanted to leave before Snape would come along and be like, oh, and just like invent something for them to be in trouble for. Which I don't think he needs to do because they do have a lot of things they really should get in trouble for. You don't need to invent much. Yeah. Well, this is in Harry's perspective. Snape is always out to get him. I mean, he kind of is, you know, but. I think for a 12 year old, whenever you get in trouble, you always feel like a teacher's out to get you. And he feels like Snape is that teacher.
1: Yeah. I mean, Snape is out to get him. But in this circumstance, he hasn't really done anything.
0: Well, later on, before we will probably jump into some other things later, but we get the founders backstory in this chapter, which is really interesting.
1: Yeah, I forget that you don't really get that much about them in the first book. And this is sort of like, I mean, you know, a wee bit for great wizards, blah, blah, blah. But like, this is the first time you get like the drama, you know, and it's juicy. And it like it's, it's such an interesting like generation or like era of the world sort of like, I would love to know more about the founders than we even know now, kind of. Because like they totally always portray Slytherin as a bad guy, which is correct because he didn't want Muggleborns to be there, which is a douche move. However, his reasoning for not wanting Muggleborns to be there is that he was afraid because of the par- persecution of witches and wizards was going on by Muggles, and he was afraid that like because they live in the Muggle world, they'll tell Muggles and they'll endanger the whole school. So, like, while his choices were terrible and biased and not cool, I feel like more could have been done, put in place to sort of erase those fears while still allowing Muggleborns to go there, like some sort of statute of secrecy or like spell.
0: Well, I think that that's the the thing that 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 did happen. So like things were dealt with at the time. He probably didn't feel safe. But then, you know, instead of like doing things a normal way, he's like, actually, I'm just gonna build a secret chamber that will kill people and not tell you guys. Which is not cool. It's not
1: cool. But I feel like especially if him and Gryffindor were as good of friends as they say they were, I feel like they probably could have talked him through his concerns and been like, what things can we do besides that absolute most extreme option? to quell your nerves and help protect all of the kids at this school, including the ones that aren't born to wizards, you know? I feel like I want I want a, the negotiation to happen. I want like someone to sit him down and say, like, this is not practical. How can we address your concerns in a more meaningful and productive way? I feel like, at least from what I know about Gryffindors, I can't imagine them ever sitting someone down and having, like, that doesn't seem like something they're capable of.
0: <laughs> no, it's definitely more of a Hufflepuff, I think.
1: Yeah, and I guarantee that if Gryffindor and Slytherin were best friends and Slytherin was acting out, they'd be like, Gryffindor, go deal with your best friend, which I think maybe is part of how it happened. Instead of sending someone who could talk to Slytherin like rationally or like in a very um, empathetic manner, they sent Gryffindor because he was the best friend. And I feel like there's no way that didn't lead to an argument. So I kind of feel like they could have handled that whole situation, by sending anyone but Gryffindor to talk to Slytherin about it, I think it would have been a more productive and smarter choice. Still, though, Slytherin's an asshole and he shouldn't have done that. Not cool. I know that.
0: But. Very interesting that the trio, uh, when they come across the corridor like, where Snorris was found and they find it empty, their first thing is like, oh, we can go look around for clues. A clue! <laughs> yeah they're just so nosy they're just like oh oh cool let's let's look around and harry's like getting on his hands and knees and like crawling on the floor looking for clues just like these kids they're the scooby <laughs> gang
1: they're just they, they completely
0: and we get ron's kind of backstory on his phobia of spiders which is honestly so relatable like reading this now i'm just like I'd be, I'd be traumatized with spiders too like fred and george
1: i hate spiders and no one ever like turned my teddy bear into one i just hate them
0: yeah, and I just feel like it's kind of played for last in the book, but like, it's like a real phobia, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: arachnophobia is real. When you think about all the things Ron does with spiders throughout this novel, like, it's really impressive.
1: Yeah, peak
0: Gryffindor. He really does fight his fears. He did like a real life immersion therapy. <laughs> yeah, wow. So they find, um, Hermione shows them Myrtle's bathroom, which was where the water was coming from. And it's described as like this really dingy, like, not like cracked mirrors and just like terrible washroom and I'm like why is it so neglected like this is like a girl's washroom like it shouldn't and it, it's like not really even usable and they just like don't do anything about it I'm like does, does Myrtle like not let the people in to like fix it because I feel like a professor could just like repairo broken things and fix things
1: I feel like first of all no one wants to be around Myrtle because she's so miserable so like nobody wants to go and fix it even if it only takes a minute and then also I feel like even when I'm kind of upset, like I don't, I, I, my space reflects how I'm feeling. So I feel like Myrtle wants the bathroom to be in disapair, disrepair because it sort of, it's, it's a physical manifestation of like her emotional state. So I feel like if anyone fixed it, she would just rough it up again. So that it's probably
0: pointless. Something that I kind of like hit me as a of flag reading this is that uh, Myrtle, when she's speaking about how upset she was after the, halloween like death day party that she came back up there to kill herself but then she realized that she was already dead is what ron like adds at the end but like she speaks about killing herself and this is a book for children and just like i don't think that never like kind of like went through my mind as a kid but reading it now i'm like holy this is kind of like dirt and it's not even like put as like a serious issue it's played as a joke because then it's like but then i couldn't because i'm already dead and it's like Played for laughs wait Ron plays it as a joke and stuff and she gets upset but i'm just like looking back at like now as adults like to how myrtle died and just like all this trauma she has building in her like this is like kind of really heavy but yeah it's obviously played as like a joke in the series and in the movies as well but uh as they come out of the washroom percy catches them and is super upset to find them he's like what are you guys doing in the girls washroom (laughs) and <laughs> Ron's just like, uh, ah, whatever. And then this is sort of the part of the chapter
1: where we begin to sort of see how the writing on the wall is impacting sort of the rest of the school, the student body, and everyone at Hogwarts.
0: I just like, what does Percy do think Ron's doing in there? They're just, because Ron's just like, oh, yeah, you know, we're looking for clues. And Percy's like, oh, you can't be doing this. Like, get out of the girls' washroom. <laughs> I'm just wondering, does Percy actually think that Ron's involved?
1: I think Percy's only concern is Ron getting in trouble and Ron being in trouble making him, Percy, look bad.
0: But um, he speaks that Jenny is really concerned about Ron. So I was wondering if Jenny is concerned about Ron because she thinks that he's involved or is she more concerned about her being involved? Because you know, this was her, but we don't know if she kind of realized what happened yet.
1: Yeah, I feel like she know. I don't think she would suspect Ron. I feel like Ron is like the least suspicious guy ever. I don't know. Like it's, I think she probably, even if she doesn't know what she did, feels some sense of guilt or has some missing time
0: or something. And is suspicious of herself. Ron's like, don't worry. Stuff like this doesn't happen at Hogwarts. And I'm just like, does he not remember his last year? Ron's never had a normal year at Hogwarts. <laughs> like how does he, and he's probably like the worst person to be telling Jenny stuff like this. Yeah. yeah so I'm just wondering if, if is this when Jenny is starting to get concerned with the diary or does she still not really suspect it? Um,
1: Yeah, I guess that's interesting. I feel like she probably suspects herself now and is maybe trying to figure out what's happening to her. I don't know if she has narrowed it down to like what's causing it or whether or not it truly is her that's doing it. So I feel like she's a bit, this is a bit before she starts to become aware of what the diary is up to.
0: So Harry uh, goes to check in on, I guess Hermione's looking in the library for the the Hogwarts of History and Ron's measuring his, uh, his, history of magic essay which is so funny to me because it just reminds me of like back when we had like we just started typing because we're old we we had like to type our like uh, essays and stuff and they had to be like a certain word count so you just be like trying to hit that word count and be doing all these tricks to like going through and like adding
1: yeah extra periods and then highlighting them and making them the white font so it looks like there was more like yeah characters and
0: all those tricks oh yeah And we kind of get the beginning of Harry being kind of like outcasted because uh, he sees Justin and Justin completely avoids him. So everyone's already kind of assuming that Harry's kind of involved. Which is, again, so weird to me. Like, I understand he was
1: there and stuff, but it's also Harry Potter. I feel like he's the least likely to be suspicious of doing something like this.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's weird how the rumor kind of got started because obviously he was there at the place, but like... At this time, everyone kind of knows Harry and like after everything that happened last year with like stopping Voldemort, you think that be like, oh, yeah, that's Harry Potter. He wouldn't do that. But yeah, because it's frickin Harry Potter. Like his whole
1: thing is the Dark Lord is a dick and he's a nice guy. Like that's his whole shtick. I mean, we don't know it's
0: Voldemort related yet, but after everyone finds out that he's a parcel mouth, I kind of get why people are like, oh, that's really suspicious. But this is like before all of that, like all they know is that he was just, he's the one that found Mrs. Norris. And it just it just feels like a really big jump for the school. But as you know, rumors and school doesn't really take much for people just to kind of suspect something. So my theory or my question, my ponderance, perhaps, is Hermione went to
1: take out Hogwarts, of history from the library and couldn't because all the copies had already been taken out. So I wonder whether or not those copies were taken out by other smart students who are like on the case and like to do research and are curious about the writing on the wall. Or if the teachers took out those books to prevent students from investigating the case and to like keep students from looking further into the founders and looking into the story of the Chamber of Secrets. Because it could kind of go either way.
0: I could see McGonagall asking, like, Madam Pence to, like, remove some of the copies just to, like, kind of keep, like, all, like, the craziness at bay. I don't think Dumbledore would really care. Dumbledore doesn't care about much. <laughs> I'm just wondering why Hermione has this copy, but she said she couldn't bring it because she didn't have space in her trunk. But couldn't she just ask her parents to, like, send it to her? Like, Harry has an owl that she could borrow.
1: I don't know. Maybe Hogwarts of History is a really heavy book. and <laughs> Like, the owl couldn't fly with it. Or maybe she wouldn't presume Harry's owl's available to pick her up the package. I don't know. Use a school owl. I don't know. She totally, I mean, maybe she just, maybe she sent her parents a letter, but her parents haven't received a letter, let alone returned the book. So she's just trying to see what she can do in the meantime.
0: So we go to our history of magic class. Yeah, with a ghost teacher. Yeah, with Professor Binns. I love how they
1: somehow took the coolest thing ever, a ghost teacher, and made him the most boring teacher ever.
0: It reminds me of like, a very like stereotypical history teacher, because generally history is a more boring subject in school. And I just feel like it's very stereotypical like history teacher, just the kind of like droning on about dates and names, and you're just supposed to be taking notes. Well, I was just wondering like why they let Ben's continue to teach because history is such an important subject and I, especially in the wizarding world of all like this prejudice going on and just like the way he teaches, it, his, he teaches just nothing for the students, he doesn't even know their names and it's just like Dumbledore just doesn't give a shit. I mean, I feel like as a ghost,
1: he's probably been around longer than most people so he probably has some really interesting takes on history. And I feel like in theory, he could be a great teacher because he was there for some of it because he's, you know, has different perspective. I just don't think he teaches it that way. And maybe if someone stopped to pay attention and told him like, hey, try teaching it like this, it could be better. But it's Hogwarts and they don't actually care about educating the students that much. But he has the ability to be a great teacher, I think, just because he's, I mean, I don't know exactly when Binns died, but he was probably fairly old when he died. So he's been around a bit.
0: Well, it says that he just fell asleep in the staff room and then he got to go teach class and like became a ghost. <laughs>
1: yeah, happens to the best of us. I love his line though, when, he's, when the students are all questioning him about the founders and about finding the chamber and him being like, well, you know, Dumbledore would have found it. And then being like, yeah, but dark magic. And I love the line from Professor Binns, just because a wizard doesn't use dark magic doesn't mean he can't. I love that. I love that line. And like, I guess they didn't want to make a lot of ghosts in the movies because they're expensive to make. But I love this coming from Professor Bin's, like it's McGonagall that gives us the backstory in the films. But like there's something about it coming from someone that's not as familiar that makes it feel more ominous.
0: Yeah, so they all kind of have their own opinions, but like, how, why they haven't found the chamber yet? And Dean kind of says, says like maybe you had to be related to Slytherin, which is actually like very close to the mark. Yeah,
1: literally, right on. Good job,
0: Dean. They're all very close, and yeah, it's just beginning. Like, who started the rumor that Harry is Slytherin's heir? Because he kind of mentions the fact that like um, they run into Colin, who's saying like someone from my class is saying that you're this. But he gets and so doesn't finish it, and Justin like won't talk to him, and so Harry's like, "Oh yeah, they think I'm Slytherin's heir," and I'm just like, "That's such a big leap at this point," because they haven't fa- they don't have any evidence.
1: I mean, they don't have evidence as Harry, but they do know the whole thing has something to do with Slytherin's heir based on the writing on the wall being enemies of the heir beware, and then we also. Have the story implying that like the Chamber of Secrets has to do specifically with Slytherin. So now we know basically Arrow Slytherin. We're looking for an Arrow of Slytherin. So that's sort of the not really too huge of a, of a leap. And the fact that Atari, I mean, he was there early and kids like to jump on whoever they can for blame. I'm sure someone probably started it. I mean, we only ever really hear about Draco specifically disliking Harry at Hogwarts because Draco's kind of prevalent to the overall plot, but Harry's a really popular Gryffindor dude who's like on the sports team. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's probably some other just like kids at Hogwarts that don't particularly like him regardless of if he's a swell guy. So I feel like any kid could have been like it's probably Harry Potter or someone specifically said could be anybody but Harry Potter, and someone else misheard it and was like Harry Potter.
0: Yeah, we know that rumors spread like crazy at Hogwarts. It's broken telephone. You know what I mean. So Hermione's not thinking of like whatever, like whoever is open the chamber isn't human because of the fact that like they couldn't hear Professor or not Professor <laughs> Professor Norris, no, Mrs. Norris <laughs> right away, and this kind of goes into the whole idea of who could it be and ron of course brings up malfoy which kind of makes sense at least to them because at their point they're just thinking oh he's a slytherin he's evil and his father was and his family's been a slytherin for a, min- a million years and harry's just like yeah and they're evil enough to be like related to slytherin because at this point they just think slytherin's evil so to their logic that makes sense and her money kind of lists off this plan that she has to like find out if it's malfoy or not
1: I kind of love that Hermione is immediately listing off plans regar- and listing them as being dangerous and breaking 50 school rules. It's just already the most Gryffindor plan ever when it opens with dangerous and breaking 50 school rules. I also wonder if Hermione is extra willing to break these rules because like the threat on the wall kind of impacts her specifically. Like as an enemy of the air, because she's a muggle-born, she she's sort of like, I'm at risk us Muggleborns are at risk. There's a pride thing for her, like how dare someone persecute us? You know what I mean? Where she feels more inclined to risk more in order to stop it from happening.
0: I don't know if it really affects her until Colin gets attacked, because I know that she does kind of like snap at hair and Ron when they kind of like go against the plan being like, like, well, I need to like do this because I don't want Muggleborns to be attacked and killed, but you know, whatever. But at this point, I think they're just kind of curious and Ron, Ron is saying it's Malfoy and Hermione's like, well, here's an option for us to find out if it's Malfoy or not. But I don't think Hermione would ever go through with it if Harry and Ron like weren't 100 percent in. Yeah. I also love that her plan involves getting a teacher to
1: write them a note with permissions to get into the restricted section of the library. And then they say to write a restricted book permission slip, the teacher would have to be really thick. And then I wonder, like, who comes to mind first? Like, my first thought was Hagrid, because you could convince him to do anything, but he's not really a teacher yet. So then it's Lockhart. Like, Lockhart's pretty thick. (laughs) It wouldn't be hard to get him to write a... Heck, you could just ask him for his autograph and hold a permission slip in front of him. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't even have to know he's writing a permission slip, and he
0: wouldn't. The next chapter, Ron even tells Hermione that when she wants to keep it, he's like, oh, don't worry, we'll get you another one. So you want to discuss what the potential suspects could be for this mystery.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, as someone who's revisiting Harry Potter, I know who's doing it. I know who's behind it. But it's a whodunit and it's fun to look at the suspects and think of the motives. My brain loves that as a classic lover of mysteries. And I think at its core, it really is a mystery novel. It's a classic whodunit and who's going to be the next victim. So I'm going to try and sort of look at these suspects as if I don't know the spoilers and I don't know what happens next. So, I mean, you kind of have to discuss Harry as a suspect because so many people talk about him. But I feel like he's just not a good one. I feel like he has an alibi at all the times weird things happen, whether that alibi is Lockhart or that alibi is Ron and Hermione who are with him at the time of the crime. I also feel like Harry has no conscious memory of it. And we know that because we're reading the book and it's in his perspective. But we also have no notification of, like, lost time. So I feel like we would we would at least have noticed Harry missing gaps of his memory or something. They would have to let us know that.
0: Also, generally, Harry is always with Ron and Hermione. So they're all kind of alibis for each other. Very much so. And then also,
1: the Potters are a pretty well-known family. And, like, Harry's fairly modest. But I'm sure James, for example, wasn't. And I feel like at some point down the line... One of the Potters would have bragged about being an heir of Slytherin, even if just using it to insult one of the Slytherins they don't like. Like, oh, yeah, you think you're so great because you're in Slytherin? I am a Slytherin by blood, bitch. You know what I mean? I feel like a Potter would have bragged about being an heir of Slytherin in some confrontational way. So I just don't think it makes sense. Then we sort of have Draco. And I feel like Draco has the same reasoning I have for the Potters, for the Malfoys not being related to Slytherin, which is that the Malfoys would have bragged about it. They would have boasted about it. Lucius would have used it to get higher social standing because Slytherin was one of the greatest wizards of the time. And like, they would demand Draco be treated like a prince in Slytherin house if he were an heir of Slytherin. So there's just no way. Like they could... Lucius Malfoy has a big old snake head on his wand. You know what I'm saying? They're not known for their subtlety. Yeah. Um, It's not something they would do. I feel like they would absolutely brag, as would I think any of the pure-blood elitist families. If they found out they were related to Slytherin, there's no way it wouldn't be public knowledge. So now we get into like, well, Ginny is an obvious suspect because we keep because she is a suspect because they keep bringing her up when it's entirely unnecessary. Like Percy doesn't need to talk about Ginny when he runs into Ron, but he specifically mentions her emotional state, suspicious amount too, not subtly, but like frequently. And we keep getting tidbits of Ginny, and Ginny, it doesn't really mean much to us quite yet. And Ron doesn't often pay attention to Ginny, and he's the one that would, like, be most involved with her. So it's, like, a suspicious amount of Ginny time, but we also have no, like, motive or explanation for Ginny. We don't know enough about alibis. But I have three suspects that I think are juicy. You ready for my juicy stuff? So my first one is Lockhart. Gilderoy Lockhart. First of all, he has no alibi because no one ever wants to be around him ever. And then there's the question of would he tell everyone if he was the heir of Slytherin? And that could go two ways. One way being yes, because Slytherin was famous and it would make him look good. But another is sort of like the type of fame Gilderoy seeks is very particular. And I feel like being the heir of Slytherin is like a different brand of famous kind of, like a different way to align yourself and I feel like it he wouldn't look like such a brave heroic like being the heir of Gryffindor or he's a Ravenclaw so a Ravenclaw would better suit him I don't think he he would brag about being the heir of Slytherin if he knew because it wouldn't necessarily benefit him as much from a public relations standpoint and then the other thing would be motive and I feel like Gilver Lockhart has a good motive in the fact that he likes to do or pretend to have done brave things to look like a hero so he can write books about it. And... He's surrounded by a bunch of the brightest wizards, Severus Snape, Minerva McGonagall. You know, these are amazing wizards. If something terrible happened at Hogwarts and he, Gilderoy Lockhart, was the one who resolved it and saved the day, he would look so good and he would look so good in comparison to wizards who have achieved so much. It would completely elevate his standing of greatness, sort of. So I could totally see him intentionally unleashing something just to be the one to save the day at the end.
0: Yeah, it's almost like, like the hero syndrome where you cause like the problem to, to then solve it to make yourself look good. Yeah, I can see that. My next suspect is Percy Weasley.
1: I know, zesty. First of all... Um, Percy is acting suspicious. He's always suspicious, but... The thing is, A, Percy comes from a pureblood family. It's safe to assume that there's a good chance the heir of Slytherin would be pure blood. I mean, not guaranteed, but he does come from a pureblood family. More so on that, he comes from one of the few pure blood families who would not brag or want people to know if they were related to Slytherin because they're very accepting of Muggle-borns. They're the Weasleys. They love everyone. Everyone is equal. And so... There's no way the Weasleys would be posting up over town that they were related to Slytherin if they were. And we don't really have alibis for Percy because he's always allowed to be wandering the halls alone at night whenever he wants because of his position of authority. But why would Percy Weasley do that? I can think of a couple of potential reasons why Percy Weasley would want to unleash this upon the school. The most petty being all of his academic records are being broken by Hermione Granger. (laughs) He's like, I had the best mark ever in first year history of magic. And then Hermione Granger came along and he's pissed. But also because he might be trying to like teach the school a lesson. Like people are most likely to be attacked by this creature when they're like out at night when they're on their own when they're not in class or in their common room and he probably thinks people should always be in class in the great hall or in their common room like I'll just use the snake to attack people when they're places I don't think they should be so in his mind he's like using it as a way to maintain his authority and like force people into following the rules because he's Percy Weasley and that's his truest passion final suspect are you ready Neville Longbottom I know I know, but hear me out, okay? First of all, he does not have an alibi. He wasn't with Harry, Hermione, and Ron. We don't know anything else. But he doesn't have, like, a best friend who he's always with. So there's no obvious alibi for us to talk to. Then there's the fact that he does, in fact, come from a pure blood family. And at that, much like the Weasleys, one of the few pure blood families that are not likely to have bragged about being related to Slytherin. And also, Neville's had a really rough time. <laughs> I think it's fair that Neville especially the Neville we know of up to this point, who we don't have a lot of the backstory. We don't know how wonderful he is. We don't really know what he's been through. You could see Neville being a little bit pissed off at the school for the luck he's had and the way he's been treated. You know what I mean? Who was his best friend in his year? No way of knowing. He doesn't really have a best friend. Does he feel lonely? Does he feel sad? Does he feel resentful? He very easily could. And boy, would that be a twist.
0: Evil Neville.
1: (laughs) And again, this theory, all these are based on the idea that like, The heir of Slytherin themselves is at Hogwarts rather than Voldemort's possessing some random person. Because that's fine and that's what it ends up being, but...
0: It's kind of from the perspective that you you don't know, so these are the suspects that, like, as of now, this is the information we have.
1: So keeping in mind that those are my, like, people that are most, that I think could easily have been suspects or that I would have questioned with no hindsight... Who do you think would be the most interesting person to have ended up being an actual heir of Slytherin and letting the snake out into the castle? Like, what do you think would be the most exciting, unexpected, or, like, hilarious option?
0: Well, I know back when we find out that Hagrid was arrested for it, I remember being kind of, like, shook at that. Because at the point, it's, like, Hagrid is, like, this super nice guy that's just, like, introduced Harry to the wizarding world and the fact that he could have been, like, murdering people kind of puts you on shaky ground with him.
1: Yeah. Well those are my uh sort of my uh, my suspicious suspects. I I think as a whole this chapter is a really fun follow-up to the previous chapter because the previous chapter didn't have a lot of like important sort of high-paced stuff happening. It was kind of a leisurely stroll through a slow, slow party. And this
0: this is a lot in one chapter. Like there's so much to unpack. And yeah, this is kind of like the big tipping point in the book where kind of like the mystery has been revealed and now things are going to get like progressively worse. Yeah, this
1: is the plot. They're like the plot of the story, bad thing, in basement, Who's letting it out? Who's it going to eat? <laughs> Basically.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Yeah, we'll be back next time to discuss chapter 10, The Rogue Bledger. Let us know your thoughts. Reach out to us on social media at pottery Visited or email us at pottery podcast at We'll see you next time. Bye.